This is Update One, the podcast of the National Press Club in Washington, D.C. Update One provides a forum for listeners to learn about national and international stories, focusing on journalism and communication issues, news, and politics. Now, the latest edition of Update One. Hi, and welcome to Update One. I'm Bill Loveless, a longtime member of the National Press Club. Our guest today is Jason Malika, a seasoned strategic communications professional with 20 years of experience as a journalist, news producer, and public relations practitioner. He's also a professor in communications at the American University in Washington, D.C. Our topic today, how has the media covered the impeachment of President Trump? Jason, welcome to Update One. Bill, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Jason, first, let's talk a little bit about you. You cut your teeth in TV and radio. Tell us about that. Well, that was my first love. When I graduated from Temple University in 97, I kind of always wanted to be involved in the media in some way. Uh, Radio and television had a great appeal for me, so it was natural when I attended Temple that that's the direction I wanted to go. Uh, I interned in Philadelphia at NBC10, WCAU in Philadelphia. I worked for Metro Networks. cut my teeth on both sides. And then when I graduated, I started working at the NBC affiliate, but actually doing multimedia producing, uh, working for MSNBC on the internet, which at the time was the precursor to what we're seeing today as far as online news, uh, websites, et cetera. Uh, So I did that for a little bit and then got back into the TV side and worked in the sports department at WCAU and then stayed in sports a little bit longer for uh, with Comcast Sportsnet there in Philadelphia and did some sports. But then uh, right after 9-11, um, got a position in New York City with Fox News Channel and started working there as a uh, producing their crawl, uh, doing producing news feeds. Um, and then shortly thereafter in 2003, right around the time that uh, the Iraq War started, uh, we launched Fox News Radio. And I was one of four people to help launch Fox News Radio uh, to what it is today which is a digital news operation, still on traditional radio. But uh, my career kind of went in the media way for a long time and then got out and got into public relations. And uh, after working in a, at a small university and then working at a firm, started my own consultancy, moved to D.C., and this is where I am and now, an American. Are, and, and here and I am. Here right. you are today, an interesting <laughs> blend of experience. Yep. Uh, one, I'm sure, too, you, it's, uh, you convey to your students that makes for some interesting conversation Absolutely. Uh, here, here, here in your classroom. Well, mm-hmm. uh, the impeachment and the hearings uh, 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 regarding uh, uh, President Trump uh, have received enormous coverage in all forms mm-hmm. of media. Uh, where did you get your news from? And um, was it newspapers? Was it uh, local or national TV news? Um, how did you follow this? Well, I followed a lot of it using Twitter. I mean, that's my kind of go-to to start. Not that I eschew you know, any other form of media, but I start on Twitter because I like the immediacy of it. Um, I try to cut through the clutter. I don't really pay attention to um, how, how it's branded in the sense of is it left, is it right, is it down the center. I get the, the news from there, and then I transfer on to digital platforms like NBC News or CNN or Washington Post, Wall Street Journal. I try to dive in. I still will pick up a traditional, you know, the print newspaper because I still love sitting there to read the print. Yeah, where do you uh, find it? I, yeah, I know. It's, I, you know, I still walk into the, news, the uh, supermarket, and it's right there at the service desk. Um, I, I like kind of being able to read it. Any supermarket that I go into usually has some newspaper in there. Um, but I start off nowadays by – 
turning on Twitter yeah. and looking to see what the you know the top stories are, what people are talking about, what's happened overnight. Um, it kind of gets back to that news gathering that I had when I was uh, working in television and working in news. It was getting as much information as possible and then kind of disseminating what's truth, what's spin, uh, what really is just noise. Right. And that's how, I, that's how I learned and basically kind of kept up with all the impeachment process and kind of figured out, all right, what, what is the main point? What are the main points here? How do I convey that to my students and show them that this is how you cut through the clutter as well, and this is how you really have to go through and make sure that what you're following is fact and not spin. Right. Well, what would be some of the brands that you were going through in the course of the day? Once you'd gone through your Twitter feed, you were following up. Where were you going to get a deeper read? I would go to uh, Washington Post, New York Times, Wall Street Journal. Uh, I'd check out Time. Uh, I would go on to Vox. Uh, I'd, pretty much anywhere that I could at least get a lot of the story. I even, you know, honestly, I go to PolitiFact, um, and I'll go to Real Clear Politics just to kind of get the lay of the land on, you know, what some of the surveys are like out there about the topic of impeachment. Like, how do the American people feel about it? Are they really invested in the coverage of the story? Um, so th that's where I, I try to try to I try to get a big swath of land so that way I can really make a educated and informed decision. One of the things that I've tried to make sure that I and I convey to my students is if I make a snap decision on something in news, if I do that, it's a big mistake. We've seen that if people jump to a conclusion, it ends up being a mess. I had a, a, uh, my old boss at Fox News Radio, Mitch Davis, once tell me, I would rather you be last and right, right. than first and wrong. Right, and right. that's never steered me wrong. You're right. I you think know? many of us heard that from editors uh, over the years. Yeah. And I tell that to my students all the time. And they may get sick of hearing it, but I will use that as you know, to my dying breath that that will be my credo. I would rather be last and right than yeah. first and wrong. It's hard, it's hard, though, to follow that these days where the pace of the uh, news and the 24-hour uh, cycle uh, it just sort of uh, bears down on, on journalists, regardless of what they're covering. Yeah, I mean, the minute uh, a journalist, whether it's a you know whether it's a host like Jake Tapper or it's a reporter uh, that is relaying a story on what they're hearing from a source, uh, someone on social media will call them a left wing nut job or a right wing terrorist or, and I think those are the sort of things that don't obviously help a conversation. The media is constantly on the defensive. And it's a shame because the media really, regardless of what you follow, I mean, you can believe that the Huff Post is leans left or the New York Times leans left or the New York Post is more of a, you know, it's a tabloid, so it's going to lean right or because it's a, it was a Murdoch entity, things along those lines. You still need to realize that they have a job to do. They're providing a service um, to us that, to the people that aren't covering the news if and yes it's disseminated much quickly more quickly today twitter is a you know a, a, i don't want to say a, the fault of that but it has helped accelerate wanting news yesterday wanting the information two hours ago when we just got it right. and i think that's something where journalists are doing their very best to keep up with this uh freight train that's moving forward and they're they've done a great job i think um, but in this day and age, if they don't kind of fall into line to what the American public, at least a section of the American public, believes that they should adhere to, uh, they're automatically branded as, you know, enemies. And, uh, I mean, it doesn't help that the president of the United States has sort of put them under the crosshairs as well. Right. So in your, in your 
in your perusal of all this news, and, and my goodness, there's been so much of it on this topic, uh, it, it's almost, uh, it truly has had a 24-hour cycle of its own. Um, what did you make of the coverage? I thought the coverage in itself was was fair. I think no matter I think no matter where you watched, you're going to get some sort of you're going to get a different perspective. NBC is different than Fox News Channel. Uh, ABC is different than CNN, et cetera, so on and so forth. Uh, you'll get different coverage from the BBC that you would from say MSNBC. Uh, so I think overall it was it was good. Was it? It seemed at times to drone on, and I think in this day and age, the American people don't necessarily want to watch eight, nine hours of coverage of, uh, you know, the House and the Senate debating the issue. However, it is an important, it was, and it still is an important time in American history. Uh, there's only been, you know, a handful of instances where presidents have been impeached. Um, I think the one thing that did uh, bring pause for me was when we started to see comparisons to Watergate. Mm. And that worried me because, as you know, Watergate was a totally different animal, uh, different time. Uh, there was not as much media. Uh, the, I think the charges in many ways were not that what happened with President Trump was not as serious, but you saw the way things played out and how it wasn't a quick fix or a quick, uh, you know, judge and jury with Watergate. It took time to play out. Uh, it just seems now as we look back in history that it was, oh, the president resigned. It was Watergate. And it was like, no, the president resigned. He chose to resign. He was being, you know, there was a force to push him to resign. But he eventually said, I'm going to resign the presidency effective noon tomorrow. With the president, with President Trump, it was more of a defiance. You know, it, everything was false. And so when we saw the coverage, you automatically had, I think in many ways, people had in the back of the mind, the Democrats have an agenda, uh, at least from the perspective of those that were on the right. The Democrats have the agenda. The Republicans are protecting the president. We had all of this sort of loud noise going on. And the, I think eventually the American people were just like, look, I'm, it's important, but not as important as it should be for me to get really get to the crux of the story. Like you said, the 24-hour news cycle is such where we get all of this information. What can I do? What can you do to summarize what went on today so I can make my own decision? Right. Again, I think the media in today's day and age, especially in this sort of, especially with impeachment, did the best job possible. Um, but when you do have talking heads or you have opinion programs, you're going to get a mishmash of what is fact and what's the opinion of, say, uh, a Sean Hannity or uh, a Don Lemon, per se. You're going to need different perspectives. So I think that plays into how people view and how even I view what went on during the impeachment hearings. Right. Well, I'm of an age where I can remember the Watergate hearings, and, and it seemed as though at the time we were saturated. It was on, all broadcast on mm -hmm. TV. It was the first time in our lives, or my life anyway at that time, that I could recall such coverage of an event. And uh, we were all glued to the TVs to the extent we could be. But the difference was that um, there wasn't a bombardment, or uh, that's probably not the best choice of words, but there wasn't just this, uh, uh, you know, uh, enormous amount of, uh, of news being uh, broadcast in so many other outlets on the very topic. Mm -hmm. uh, it wasn't being talked about 24 hours a day. And you could always sort of watch it and then sort of catch up in the morning or to get the perspective in the morning from your uh, from your morning newspaper or maybe the next day even in your evening newspaper mm, that's right. back in that time. Mm -hmm. So I, I think there was a big difference there. You said you thought it was fair by and large. And, you know, I was looking at back, I think the polls varied on, on how the press did on this. Uh, there was a recent Hill-Harris X poll that found 
45% of so-called independent voters, right. that's what they were looking at, said the coverage was not biased in favor of or against the president. Uh, 40% thought it was biased against him, and 14% it was biased in his favor. Mm-hmm. So um, there was a perception out there of some bias uh, right. in, in terms of the way they treated this. And I think in, in many ways, too, the bias being there is sort of, uh, I think in many ways, is well known today. I think the way things play out, we automatically assume and we we hear this from other outlets, you know, people that are on Twitter, or Facebook, and think about it, too. We're being, if depending on where you're getting your news, and even if you're getting it from multiple outlets during the impeachment hearings, you could watch different networks on Twitter. You could go to Facebook and watch it. You could even call it up on your computer and watch it digitally. Uh, you could end up listening to it. So you're getting different perspectives. And you can see why there would be a level of thinking of bias, because if you're watching it from let's say you're watching it from CNN, there may be a level of lean left. And then just like with Fox, you know there's going to be a place where leaning right. They're going to necess- not going to necessarily see the Democratic point of view, per se. Uh, just like on CNN, they may not lean to understand the Republican point of view, even though they may have you know, Democratic or Republican strategists on each network. So you can understand why there would be a level of thoughts of bias in some ways. But I think, unfortunately, because of the 24-hour news cycle and because of the networks that are out there today that sort of are considered the the which way they lean, there will always be that level of, oh, there's a bias out yeah. there. And I think it's a matter, and again, this is from my own perspective. That's why I like to look at different perspectives and look to see how each are covering it and then say, okay, how can I make up my own mind and understand what's fact, what's not? But in today's age, not every, you know, Joe or Josephine American are taking journalism courses (laughs) and looking to be and understand, you know, what's fact, what's fiction. And that's okay. Um, But I think in some ways we are living in a world that has an inherent bias because of the access to news. We choose to watch a certain network because we like the personality. Well, they may decide that or they may have people on the network that think one way. And that's the opinion you're getting in their opinion programming as if during the day, you may not have opinion. You may have certain opinions, but you're getting more of a straightforward news shot. Right, right. And I think that's where the blurring of the line is. I think we see the primetime programming in cable news as the opinion shows, as the ones where, oh, that's where I'm getting my facts. When yeah. they're opinion shows, they've been opinion shows for a long time now at those hours. Right. And but the American people, and this isn't to say the American people aren't intelligent. It's just we're not looking at news as. 6 to 6.30, then the nightly news from 6.30 to 7, it's continuous, so it all blurs together now. Right, right. And people are getting, by and large, they get their news from uh, on, uh, either online mm-hmm. or, or from uh, uh, TV or, or from someplace other than the newspaper, mm-hmm. um, where, um, you know, perhaps you would spend more time reading an article, a 1,500-word article, uh, breaking down and explaining something. It takes time, and, and, um, and, and, and people's attention spans, I think, are much different uh, today than they might have been in the past. So uh, the, it becomes that much more important to consider what's available online, what's available on screens of various sorts. Um, 
What do you hear from your students on this? You talk about this in class? Absolutely. And what yeah, kind of I, class are we talking about? Well, I teach a 300-level uh, public relations course. which is basically the intro to public relations. It's called uh, COM301. I teach a, a digital and social media a strategic analytics class, which we're looking at how conversations are held and what they mean to brands, but also political campaigns, news organizations. Uh, I teach any, as well as I teach, uh, str I teach a communications and society course where we talk about how to listen and, you know, through nonverbal communications and, you know, how stories lean. So we get the gamut of not only from my background from news, but also doing public relations as well. Um, we talk about it a lot. We talk about not just impeachment, but politics in general. Uh, there are students that not aren't necessarily political junkies, but there are a great number of them that enjoy talking about this because this does impact their futures. It impacts yours and mine, but our students much more so. So when in my, for example, in my digital and social analytics class, we talk about, you know, uh, we'll look at Google Trends and see uh, how a recent debate or a recent topic was uh, searched and to see, all right, what was the top one at a certain point in time? All right, then let's look on social media to see, can we equate to what was trending on Google to what's going on on Twitter? Uh, we can see, especially during uh, when we have the caucuses and we have campaigns and, and we have these, uh, we end up having debates, we can kind of tell what the hot topics are, not just by looking at Google, but by also looking at Twitter and see, ah, here's a trending topic. But was the topic trending because of just the overarching discussion or people talking about it from a perspective of they believed it or they didn't believe it? And I, we look at that all the time. So uh, the students are keenly aware of what's going on. Uh, they, they're, at least from my perspective and talking to other professors as well, there is an interest in talking about this all the time because it, is an imp it impacts us, not just because we're here in D.C., but because when they move on from American University in this program, they're going to see what happens in this election impact their lives five, six, seven, eight years down the road. So, yeah, yeah it's a it's a nice it's a great conversation to have. We I, you get a, the students are are very in tune with what's going on. Yeah. It's no longer are the days where it's just, oh, it's going on. And they don't, they're so they were paying attention to this. Very much so. Very much they, so. And, and, they, and they come in and they talk about it. I mean, they tell you what. Uh, what they had been reading or watching yeah. um, or listening to? Oh, yeah. we I, Many of my classes, we usually start off with a topic of the day, and I like to bring that up because I want to hear what the students feel. I want, one of the requirements for my classes and many of the others is they need to read a daily newspaper, whether it's digital or in print, or keep up to date on the news that's going on. In my classes, I have students follow along with a hashtag so we can share stories, and whether it's uh, the you know a digital angle to something or what's the social media impact on a certain topic. We are talking about, you know, what's going on politically. So they, they do come in, they talk, they get, they freely give their opinions. I mention in all my classes, I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. Let's talk about the issues. Let's talk about what you're seeing and why you think it impacts uh, us on a greater scale and what and what we're talking about in the classroom. How is it going to impact the country six months yeah. from now? Yeah. And so, I mean, do they think the uh, – did they have any sort of opinion on, on what they were seeing on the – They'll they'll make you know they'll make it you know as far as they'll tell talk about oh what they thought about a debate or they'll you know sometimes they'll even say you know after a while the debate just got so it was just back and forth I couldn't even follow what yeah. was going on. You're talking impeachment. Though. Exactly yeah. right. And after a while, they I think it was I want to get the best information possible. Mm. And there's some that when we do we talk about topics in class, how do you feel about the impeachment? And students will say. It drones on. I can't continue to keep up with it. It's not that I'm not interested, 
but it's it's like it gets to the point where I can't watch eight hours of coverage because I have class to go to or I have an internship uh, or there's a project due. So they are interested. They are invested in keeping in touch with what's going on. They don't want to feel like they're not getting all of the information. And I think that lends to, to, in my opinion, a bright future for the country because regardless of the side of the aisle you're on, they both they i've had a number of students say in my classes how they want to see the sort of the partisanship gone they want to see more being together they want to see bipartisan uh behaviors they want to see more agreement and working together instead of the separation of the aisles yeah you're encouraged by what you hear from your students i am yeah and it's nice because you know i think you can easily go on whether it be the news and the newspaper or hop on social media and feel like things are negative everything you know it's everything's going to hell in a handbasket per se but <laughs> I, when i talk to the students and i'm not just you know kind of painting it with a blue and uh, bright brush but I'm inspired by my students. I think the the future is bright, and I really do believe that uh, they have the best interest of what is in store for them, but also if they choose to make an impact on this country in some bigger way, uh, they have a good heart and good mind uh, to do that. Yeah. Well, Jason Malika, let's leave it on that rather uh, happy note. Sure. Uh, and thank you for joining us on good. Update One. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks again, Bill. Update One is a production of the National Press Club's Broadcast Podcast Committee. You can comment on this podcast or any episode of Update One by sending an email to Update One Podcast. That's Update, the number one podcast, at gmail.com. Thanks for listening to Update One.